Welcome to the Next Door Neighbors podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things neighborly. Here are your hosts, Alex and Irina Mazukin. What have you been up to? I think I thought that question was going to come up because we don't have any other prompts for this. Oh no, no, we're going to hit so, up some of a few. Uh, you know, it's a few just, topics. <clears throat> I, I mean, I am in a, a band that's adding a bunch of dates to the calendar right now. It's mm-hmm. a new band for me called Ripple Effect. How many bands do you jump around? I feel like every time I see yeah. you, you're in a new band. So, yeah, last time we kind of talked, we might have mentioned like four bands. Yeah. Um, Free candy. Yeah. <laughs> and the and, yeah, and that show, the little vlog thing. <laughs> um, the bands have kind of died down, changed a little bit. And so one one of the bands I was in really just has one or two dates on the calendar the whole year. And then another band's kind of entirely dissolved. So that opened up some free time. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that had played with me in the country band called Shot Glass, he, he had drummed with me before. And he was like looking for a basis in a new project. And he said, hey, I know a guy. So I went and tried out with him and played a gig at Stoney's Roadhouse up in Star. Mm-hmm. And... It, it was a great fit. So that band is what's, we've probably got close to 20 gigs on the calendar for the rest of the year already. Gigs. What is, the, is there a mission um, when you join a band? Is it kind of like we are dreaming big, we want to <clears throat> produce a label or a record and put that out? Or is more of like, I just like to play music and just. Yeah, you know. so you got to, you got to just tell the guys who are coming to, you know, meet with you. Or, you know, if you're if you're putting the, the band together like on a Facebook group or on mm-hmm. a Craigslist ad or something, that's just what you need to make clear. Say it's an original project. I want to tour. I want to record. Uh-huh. I just want to play around. This is just some old guys wanting to do stuff on the weekends. Uh, a big one is, do you want to have weekly rehearsals? Uh-huh. You know, you can't be in a bunch of bands that want to practice every single week. Yeah. So you got to. So a lot of bands are like, hey. We want to do some, we want to do cover stuff. We want to play at bars or Big Owls or even you know a live after five downtown. Um, so you get your show. You're you're a cover band. You get your like three four hour show ready. You got seventy songs in the hopper. So you practice for a couple months until that's locked in, and then you don't have to practice again. If you just if you keep a couple of gigs a month going, uh-huh. that's enough to keep you sharp. Interesting. And all these gigs, they go pretty smoothly, or is there like mm-hmm. a little five percent of uh, room for error? Oh yeah, yeah. Five, I'd say five. Five is, is, five is low. Five, five is low. I'd say there's ten percent room for error. Ten percent room for error. I'd say in the last gig I did, so we did um, uh, Indian Creek Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. We played three hours, and there were two songs that I was a little bit iffy on in like one part each. So other than that, the, the, the whole show is locked down. I'm playing the right thing at the, at the whole time. And, and you don't have like uh, nobody's making you sign a do not compete clause. Because like if you're in one band, doesn't the other band go like, hey, man, you're giving that band too much attention. <laughs> so that's a good, you know, that's a good point. If I've been have, in some jealous relationships, so I kind of <laughs> know how these things work. There are, um, you know, you can get an agent, you can get an attorney to look at contracts and things. But we don't really have contracts at this like amateur level. You spit on the palm and just shake on it. You just, yeah, you respond to Craigslist ad, <laughs> and, and then you uh, you just let them know and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, another group is taking up my time or something." And and they're cool about it, it. But it comes well. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. You just have to. How have many that. bands are you part of at once? Like three. So right now it's three. Okay. So it's it's Ripple Effect, it's Blank Check, and I and I'm doing a gig on Mother's Day with Patrick Dancero. Uh-huh. But is that the guy that was performing when we saw you guys? Yeah, that was Patrick, yeah, you yeah. saw him. Yeah. I like that. So that. I'll play bass when he gets a full band gig. He does a lot of solo stuff, uh, and I think I probably said like the exact same thing on the last the last time I was here too, talking about bands. Uh-huh. And that's you know one to four or five things a year. I'll do that with him. 
Interesting. Um, he keeps a binder, so he kind of has a rotation of of um, artists. So he has a binder of music that I can just follow along with. He doesn't expect rehearsals, and he just kind of needs somebody to fill in, play the play the gig, and take fifty or sixty bucks and so, move on. So he'll have in his organization, he'll have like multiple bassists, multiple mm-hmm. guitarists, drummers. That if somebody has like a bar mitzvah, they got to tend to, they can switch them out. Exactly. A lot of exactly. Mitzvah, that a lot of bar mitzvahs which, which in the is, valley, which is, I, which nice. is totally the right way to go about it. Because even if you yeah. have a bit, if you have a full band where you're like, this is my five piece band, and you know this is the group we really love, you really need a backup for each one. If, of course. If you don't want to play with four on one random gig, um, even if like you could say, well, this guitarist can play bass and drums, so if we miss our drummer or our bassist, then they can fill in. We can still take the gig because stuff comes up. People get COVID. People, you know, have family vacations yeah. or they. I'm going to go on on a honeymoon. You know, you got to just, yeah. And I, you don't want to lose the, lose out on the gig or lose out on a, right. on a standing thing because one person can't make it. What, is there money to be made or is this people just doing it just for fun? Like, is this like a... It's both. So in the other bands, um, we probably got paid about 300 bucks for a five-person gig. Uh-huh. That's not a lot. No. And you're there for three hours playing music um, and you have to set up and tear down and travel. It's an all-day thing. Yeah, it, it can be. Um, some are more convenient than others. Like when I would play the sandbar and I lived on 27th and state it takes two minutes to drive there. I play, I'm enjoying being outside. I might get some, you get free drinks and a discount dinner or something. So it's a swing when you say, okay, Friday night or Saturday night, I was going to go spend a hundred dollars to mm-hmm. go out and have dinner and have drinks and entertain myself. But now you're actually going to get paid 50 bucks. Okay. So that's like a $150 swing. Right. That's just like playing some mental gymnastics, but because you're not getting paid much. So you have to like justify it. <laughs> but this other band, we're probably doing like 150 bucks a person. 150 bucks a person. Yeah. Now, again, it's not enough for you to be like, wow, I just, I just spent eight hours of my day with set up, tear down and, you know, moving around and yeah, don't quit your day job. Yeah. Right. But so uh, I guess there's a love of the game that all musicians kind of have, right? Do you, I mean, do you love tools? Would you, bu- would you, would you build some stuff for some buddies if it meant that you got a cool table saw or something? Uh, in my earlier stages of my career, yeah. So that's where we're at. Yeah, in the early Is you're, you're saying, sure. hey, I'll I'll play gigs, you know that. Like I mm-hmm. might have made twelve hundred bucks one year for shot glass, and I spent twelve hundred dollars on an acoustic guitar. Oh, that's cool. So you're not making any money, but yeah. now you have an acoustic guitar that you keep for the rest of your life. Well, yeah, and I didn't I didn't compound that like towards like the year, right? I just kind of looked at it as like, oh, here's a gig, here's fifty bucks. But if you if you kind of say this is my side hustle thing and we get ourselves a nice, yeah. you know, $1,500 guitar. That's I clearly, that I, yeah, sense. I clearly do have fun playing. Mm-hmm. That's why I, it's like why I'm going to go ahead and do it. But why I chose to do it on this day and at this time yeah. is because I'm going to get 50 bucks. 50 bucks. And, and that, you, that's going to roll up to free bass amp, free bass cab, whatever. Right, right. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Do you guys have like a, a, a friendship be, between or are these more like acquaintances? Yeah, um, it, it varies in the band. Um, some folks are in town, some are out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, some you rehearse every week and you see them all the time. Others you play, you know, a gig and you only see them on gig days. So you, it's like, I'll see you in March and I'll see you in May. And yeah, that's it. That's interesting how that unites people like music <clears throat> overall, you any form of uh, artistry like unites people who appreciate the art. But in terms of the people who like to create it, like to me, I don't like the feeling of walking into a room that I barely know somebody right the best equivalence to that is like classmates in college where like you're you're you don't really hang out with these people you see them only at this event in this class for an hour maybe you're a group project and then you leave i don't like that feeling and so to sign up for something where you kind of know a guy 
or a gal and you see each other and you like it to me that creates such uncomfort levels that I'd rather just stay home. <laughs> um, I guess I would I would describe it as like I may not have a great conversation with the guitarist in, in this country band or something during this, you know, Saturday we're going to play a gig. So I'm not necessarily going to get to know him any better or hang out with him during like he's going to be over there. I'm going to be over here and we're not really going to talk mm -hmm. during this three hours. We'll talk for like 20 minutes, three different times um, as a group during our break. Um, but the way I, I guess I would say the, the, the positive side of that is that you're going to like, I enjoy hearing people play music. Mm. Um, there's guys that like the saxophonist in the blues band. Um, I consider him a, a great friend. He's going to be at the wedding and I just, I, we all just love listening to him play a solo. So it doesn't, if he wants to keep going, we'll just play the, play it again, play the progression mm. again, let him keep going. Like we love listening to him play. So it's almost, I don't want to get like meta, but that, that's kind of like hearing him and seeing him yeah. is through his music. So you can kind of experience a person's creativity differently. That's interesting because there is, a, now I'm not a musician. I played a little bit of acoustic guitar, very like beginner levels when I was younger. And I remember being at this barbecue and uh, somebody was goofing and they had like a couple of guitars out. So, you know, I'm strumming, you know, the five chords that I know along to this thing. And then he's kind of slapping the table and then somebody else is kind of harmonizing. And it was my first experience ever kind of being in this collaborative thing where somebody's contributing a piece mm -hmm. and it sounds really cool, right? Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine that when artists come together and everybody has a piece of the puzzle that they're putting together that individually might not sound great, but when you put it together, you're almost creating this like flow state. Is that kind of what you guys just kind of really appreciate? I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. My like, especially bass, it's very much in the background, and people like don't really. It, it, you can almost, if I play things wrong by a whole step or a half step, some people won't even know that I played something wrong because it's just <laughs> your piece guitar that you plugged in. <laughs> It's subtle. So if you um, want to join a band, just pick up a bass guitar. <laughs> you could flow. There was a quote about bass, and it might have been Victor Wooten who said something like, you know you're doing a great job when no one knows you're there. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say things like, you know, don't sacrifice the groove for a note. Uh -huh. Meaning, play whatever note you want, as long as it's kind of like in the right... <laughs> Bop, 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 you know, as long as you got the right rhythm to it, it's you can fine, just be wrong and nobody it, will know. Because you look at a bass guitarist, whether it's like at a, at, a, at a concert or at a church, and they always have the most movement because they're swinging this giant guitar, but there's not a lot of hand action going <laughs> around. So it's like, are you not even doing anything? Right. Too much motion, not enough hand action. It's been... It's been my review for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Too much motion, not enough in. Actually, that goes across uh, like, yeah, a lot of spectrum. I've got that review before. So <laughs> um, I would say that, that you can, like, so the blues band has some songs that are more bass complicated, more bass heavy. So we cover, like, Jaco Pistorius, and we do some stuff that I even have, like, kind of instrumental, not not completely solo, but there's still some drum and, like, light guitar, but it's meant to be, like, a bass solo, like a guitar solo. I'll do that like three times in a show. Um, some some people don't like bass solos at all and take them completely out of their sets and they just want to play groove and be in the back. Um, I, I kind of go the other way. Like the cover band I'm, I'm in right now with Ripple Effect, I just play the bass line that the person put on the recorded song mm. is to, the best, to the best of my ability. 
we'll do like um, Queen's uh, crazy little thing called Love. Gotta be relax. Great, we're gonna take it off of YouTube. So like that might be the busiest, most walking line in that whole show. Relatively simple compared to doing like a Jaco Pistorius song where we have a bass solo in it. And who organizes? Is there like, is it a collaborative effort when somebody goes, you know, it'd be cool if we did here? Or is it more of like, hey guys, just play the part. This is the part you're playing. Yeah, that's a great question. So it's any small group, you know, has like your classic stages of small groups. You're forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjoining. You remember that Bre from no, college? No, break it down for me. Actually. All right, forming, getting together, okay. right? norming. Uh, forming storming norming storming is where like if the three of us are going to become a team uh, we have to figure out where each other's boundaries are who's going to take criticism well who's going to step up and be a leader and who like the stuff you're asking uh -huh. so you storm and that's like you're crossing each other's boundaries and then talking about it and dialing it back until we're comfortable with those boundaries until that becomes the norm so that's the third stage is norming now we have the standard operating procedure that we all agree on, the social contract that we're comfortable with. And then you perform as getting your job done as a team. Mm. Um, and then adjoining is when you depart some way, you have your falling out for whatever reason. And this is what in the Communist Manifesto you this read? Is, is this is in like Psychology 101. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and uh, organi like organizational behavior, like a, you might take as a undergrad studying business generic classes, you know? Yeah. So interpersonal communication. So when you say like, okay, who is it that's going to project out the, the set list and make suggestions? Well, you figure that out based on the, the individual group you're in. So you might have somebody who's like really chatty. So typically you have a group chat or like you're in the band app or what a discord or whatever it is that you use. And so somebody's in there posting songs and maybe the other three or four members say, that guy's an idiot. He keeps posting stupid songs and none of us want to play. Mm. Or you keep posting songs that are like Whitney Houston and I'm a male vocalist. I'm not going to do that. And so maybe that person loses their respect to the group to, <laughs> right. to suggest more songs or like, no, it's not really on brand. But it kind of I think of like the singer is sort of when I when I think of who's in charge, typically it's like, OK, the singer has to sing a song. And that's like your biggest limitation and they have to enjoy the song. They're the front person. They have to like engage a crowd and they have to be good enough to, to So correct me here. The singer is yeah. not the leader of the group. Not always. No, no. So or the lead guitarist is not necessarily the leader of the group. Is that, have I, you heard, have you heard of snarky puppy? No. Okay. Well, the police yes. the, sting. Yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a bassist. Mm -hmm. uh, Rush was, I don't know what their dynamics actually were mm -hmm. like in Rush, but um, you know, famously led led by a bassist, vocalist, keyboardist, bassist. Um, uh, I'm gonna get flamed if I get it wrong. But that's Getty Lee. Mm -hmm. um, so you have, you know, but if you think of like the, some of that's more like a, a, the original collaboration process too. I love some articles, some interviews um, about Blink 182. Um, Travis Barker was like a late addition, well, late being like 1993, four or whatever it was before Cheshire Cat. So they had a drummer. And they were doing all this like fast kind of trippy punk stuff and they were writing songs like how they used to and one day travis was like well can i what if i just like write a song the way i like to play drums mm -hmm. and it completely shifted they're like yeah go ahead and it completely shifted the way their song sounded entirely interesting he kind of painted a vision for them and then they just kind of like hey that's a cool yeah he's like i don't mind playing the other guy's songs the way you used to do them but how about we try something new mm -hmm. um so in that case the like the dynamics of who wrote songs and in what order the collaboration process occurred shifted.
Interesting. So but, like we, we do like 13 originals in the blues band and all of them were just like written one day by um, the singer and rhythm guitarist or the other singer and the lead guitarist. The drummer's yet to bring a song forward. I've yet to bring a song forward and the saxophonist yet to bring a song forward. So they come and they just say like, here's a song I wrote and I play it on my guitar by myself at home and here's how it sounds. And then we, um, the saxophonist was a you know music teacher and and had has led music for you know 60 years, so he says something like you know it'd be great if we did this as a structure and you come in here okay and try this instead and so he starts orchestrating it once we get all five people playing. Do you tell Larry to and shut then, up and sit back? <laughs> well, so far that's the formula that works, formula which is works. like yeah we we do need some structure. Uh, obviously, you have to. Um, like you have a voice who's comfortable saying you sound bad hmm. versus like us looking around, who's going to tell them that, uh, yeah. it sounds awful right now. You got to change that. Is that what you figure out in the storming part of the thing where you're like, yeah. who's a more forward person to, yeah. And, and who do you, you know, who do you respect for, for <laughs> you have a bunch of like anonymous people on uh 4chan that you're like, this guy sucks. <laughs> Hopefully he reads it. Yeah, so our collaborative processes um, with with those original songs has been the the person plays it on guitar and I kind of make a bass line that sounds like what mm -hmm. they're playing. I just kind of have to wing it and see what fits, and then they'll say, "Okay, I kind of like that," or "How about we try this instead?" And then we'll be playing along, and we might we might all just kind of say, "This sounds a little flat. We need to change." Like we've done the same thing now for three minutes. We need something different in here, let's try this instead. Right. And you send in the guy to tell the, the truth. Um, what happens with the legal aspect of if, like the cover bands, right? You guys are getting paid money to do a gig and here you are playing these songs. So it wouldn't that be like an in-person copyright strike? <laughs> I mean, not, not, not just a, let's, cause I know you guys don't you're, hear, I know you're you guys hitting, don't hear. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> there is. You're not wrong. Uh, the, I um I forget the name of it. There is an organization. Because you already said how much money you're making. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, I haven't told you what we're playing. So you, so those artists need to each come to my show and figure out how much money they want. <laughs> you said the band names. Too. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be. At, and what we'll, I guess is addresses. <laughs> so uh, there is a group that um, oversees kind of royalty. Law and I kind of oh and I forget it's like VCM or VCI or something like that and I couldn't even tell you what what it stands for but there is an element of like you are supposed to pay royalties when you when you play a cover mm -hmm. um, and especially like so we are doing <clears throat> we're doing a soundtrack for an independent film that was shot here oh no way uh, really it's cool. called the Northwest the Pacific Northwesties uh -huh. and we are not allowed to use any pre-existing song period they're mm -hmm. not going to pay for royalty so we, ca we can't cover we can't even do our cover of that yeah i don't know how it works for artists like you have artists doing youtube channels all the time who make covers tyler ward you know like famous for just making covers and boyce avenue i don't know how they structure it that they you know do they pay justin timberlake for for making money off of doing a cover of his song or not so we, uh, Kyle and I were, he was the one that educated me on this. Like there's uh, YouTubers out there, huge YouTube accounts like David Dobrik. Are you familiar with him? Uh -huh. So he has like Drake, you know, music playing in his songs or like Kesha, like some of these really big time artists. 
And we have a subscription to uh, a music library like Epidemic or there's another, what's the other one you use? Artlist, right? So you have a subscription. You're paying money to have the licenses to mm-hmm. use these songs, and you have a library of them. And he's always like, well, "How do they get away with it?" Because every once in a while, we'll get a copyright strike because the algorithm will pick up on it. But then you dispute it and be like, "No, no, I have the license, and they'll fix it, and they'll remonetize it, and it's not an issue again." So he's like, "How do they do it?" And then he was listening to a podcast, and he was saying that um, what David Dobrik would do is with the brands that are sponsoring that video. He will say, hey, here's what my average view I'm expecting from this video. Like, because there's usually has an average viewership of like a million, two million, whatever it is. Um, if I can't use that song because it'll get demonetized. Yeah. But I have to go for a certain feel and a certain vibe of my videos for my audience. That's what they're so accustomed to. So he'll negotiate that deal with the brand and saying. Do you want video- a million people listening to your song or not? Co- correct. So yeah. you pay me what the money that's going to get demonetized from my video. And that, that's an interesting business model. He just model. takes the demonetization. He takes the he L. Says, you pay. And you pay my difference. And I'll play your song. Exactly. Now, these guys that you're mentioning that are doing cover songs, I don't know if their accounts are huge. Maybe they're just doing strictly there are some for, big ones. Maybe they're strictly doing it for publicity aspects, right? Like, hey, I love that you did that. That's a beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to book you for a show. So they're probably demonetized on their account, you know, YouTube channel. But they're they're making money in on the back end, which is the front shows. So I made a, um, this is not. This is as close to relating as I can make here with with David Dobrik's channel. So I have a YouTube channel that is not famous. It's all right. Plug it in. <laughs> and I made it. I made a, a tryout video for a friend to try out for an Ultimate Club, and it's actually Ultimate a, Frisbee, a, a professional Ultimate Frisbee team uh-huh. in Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was injured and and couldn't make the tryout and wanted the highlight video. And so I put songs that she liked on the on the YouTube video. And I was thinking, okay, there's a couple ways we can do this because I don't care about the copyright law. So I'm going to either post it on YouTube and see what happens. And I wrote, I wrote to her as it's uploading. I'm like, hey, if it gets, you know, it, it may mute the whole video because there's copyrighted mm-hmm. um, music in it or it'll mute the sections where it's in there. No, it'll just say demonetized. You could still have the video up there, but it'll be demonetized. I've, I've, I feel like I've seen stuff in the past that got like cut out. Yeah, was it like ISIS beheading videos? Like <laughs> no, I'm talking about like music playing. Uh-huh. But um, so anyway, at the end of it, it just said um, the artist will receive the any of the yeah. advertising income that that this video makes, and it's like an unlisted video that's going to be shared with like one person, uh-huh. the person doing the tryout committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's not going to make any advertising money. Yeah. Uh, but they they allow the music to stay on the track and it just couldn't be. Yeah, when it's unlisted, you essentially created something that only, you know, a sm- like, and that's the thing is they'll, you have like almost like three options. You're like, I'm going to dispute this, um, let the artist have all the money that's going to be made out of this, and it's a copyright strike. Or the last one is like, I'm going to take it down or something like that. Like it's, Okay, so you're saying I have a strike on my account? No. The, if I have like two or three more, then they'll be like, hey, I, I free have candy's got to go. Free candy's got to go. <laughs> then you got free candy 2.0. Serial violator. Yeah, yeah. The sequel is better than the first one. Um, the uh, No, you, you, I mean, there's you can you can put Kesha, you can do Blink-182 and... It's just whether or not you could be making money. That's a different story. Right when you said, you kind of said Blake and Blink-182. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. what if Blake Shelton joined with Blink-182 and it became Blake-182? Blake-182. That would be. And he's the one that's organized the music now, right? As long as he replaces Matt Skiba, I'd be okay with that. And so it's Tom, it's it's Mark Hoppus 
Travis Barker and Blake Shelton. I like it. It's gonna be and unique. It's Blake one eighty two. Yeah, I could. It's he's he's definitely not. Yeah. He's definitely have like a huge body mass index yeah. compared to the rest. Don't of Don't waste <laughs> your time on me. You're already the voice inside my head. Well, we just got our strike yeah. right here. <laughs> That's a good Blake. That's a good Blake impression. It's not bad. It's not bad. I did picture really quickly like a red truck driving through like a field, and then I snap right back with out of naked it. guys in the back, <laughs> <laughs> with his neck tattoo guys going up. I like it, man. I like it a lot. What? Um, where are you standing with the uh, the whole NFT? Uh, I realm? also I also thought you might bring that up. You know me very well. <laughs> if by the end of this we're not talking about Rogan, oh geez, there it was. Now that's your strike. Uh, I I thought you know I was gonna ask you about Russia and Ukraine. What's going on Russia and Ukraine? You not heard? Mm. They're stacking up. They're stacking up troops and weapons uh, on the border of Ukraine. Oh, are they doing? Well, they did something like that um, during the Sochi Olympics. That the day after the opening ceremony, which surprise surprise was it last night or this morning was the opening ceremony in the China for the Olympics. Um, they invaded. Uh, Crimea, uh, Russia invaded Crimea, uh, and to have access, I believe, to the Black Sea over there as like import export. Um, just saying, this is just an Olympic tradition for me. <laughs> that's you know, some people uh, open up their Christmas pajamas the day before Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. That Russia tends right. to invade somebody the <laughs> day after the day after the Olympic ceremony. Okay, well, world fashion. We we come right, from a country of like chicken jello. So the point is that you you haven't necessarily been been paying attention, no. or you don't care as much right now. Not as much. So tell me. So bring us up to speed. Uh, I don't have a lot of information for you. I just kind of so they're stacking weapons, they're stacking troops to, uh, on the the Ukrainian border. Uh huh. There's been just there's to been take some, over more Ukraine. Is that what you're kind of going? Uh, with? I don't know if it's to take over more Ukraine. They sort of stated things like they don't they don't they don't want Ukraine to be part of NATO. And they don't want NATO to have any eastward expansion. Uh, I see what you're saying. And really, I'm just listening to like the radio in the morning, so mm-hmm. it's not like I'm super informed. I just thought you might have a little have more, a, little more, a little more dog in the fight. No, I don't. And um, I'll definitely do some Google, you googling after this. Um, or, but I, I don't have as much drive to research stuff like that because I don't. Re- I consider myself an American, and because I consider myself an American, I tend to be more uh, using my bandwidth on things like let's go Brandon or <laughs> or uh, I, the I'm metaverse. Only, the I'm, meta- I'm only at the very title level of understanding of what's going on with let's go Brandon, but it's just like an anti-Biden thing, right? You don't know where it originated from, do you? No. So it was a NASCAR race and there was a guy that wanted, his name was Brandon something. And uh, he was so pumped and juiced. You could see he's overly excited the the interviewer gal she's like brandon you did such a great job what was it like he goes he's like wow and the the crowd's cheering you know wah, 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 wah. And, and and he's getting distracted and she's like brandon like there's he's like so he's basically barely containing himself and she goes i she's i know they're they're just cheering you on let's go brandon but really they're saying f joe biden oh. And so from that point on, it got coined. They go, F like, Joe Biden. Yeah. F and he's Joe. like, let's go, go Brandon. Brandon. And she's the one, she's like, they're, they're cheering, let's go Brandon. And, and that's why it got pinned. And so ever since then, there's gotcha. been these constant meme. In fact, there's this one guy that was trolling. I don't know how, how it happened during the holidays, but he got to call into uh, the White House where it was like Kamala I think no, it was it was uh, Biden and his wife were sitting there and answered his phone call on speaker and you know they're they're saying whatever and he goes 
Uh, and towards the end, he goes, yeah, you, know, you guys are doing a great job, and uh, let's go Brandon. And then Biden's like, yes, let's go Brandon. Oh, no. So it's just like a constant troll that's going on right now. Well, that's what happens when you mix internet and memes and, and anonymous culture with legitimate politics. And it's hilarious how memes work, because sometimes you'll get the, the entire gist of what's going on or get your attention based off of me like i'll be scrolling through facebook and i'll catch a meme or two and be like hey what's going on like i saw Mm -hmm. one i i I love you you realize you have some catching up to do because you did you didn't get it and you're like well what's that all about yeah well i'm gonna trust cnn or fox news to tell me to look at something you know i feel like the let's go brandon thing was like that for me but also whenever you see it it's right next to a very clear message so i'm like Uh, i don't need to connect the dots that are connected for me contextually you just told me the the origin of it all which is which is funny but I also, like, I could tell based on who's using Let's Go Brandon what it means. It's usually a particular <laughs> group of people and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, and it's hilarious because it's made its way now to, like, any sport. So you'll go to a basketball game and there'll be somebody cheering Let's Go Brandon. Right? Okay, oh, yeah. really? Like, and, in fact, here's a funny thing is here's how I was in, it was a, in a belated state of me doing my Google research on this is I took my boys for the first time to the Boise State Broncos game, right? Mm-hmm. And they loved it. And I did a little Instagram story and I had like five people write to me, let's go Brandon. And I go, yeah, let's go Brandon. And then somebody was like, did you cheer? Let's go Brandon. And I go, LOL. And then I go, why are people, why are people that? asking <laughs> this? <laughs> yeah. And that caused me sure, to do my Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> so that, that, uh, so I, things yeah. like that too. In fact, I was actually the, the reading. The BSU football crowd has been, been brutal over like all the COVID stuff. When the, when the really? tickets came out and the tickets said you have to wear a mask yeah. inside the stadium. Uh, basically that the school had like a, a, a program by where they would like pick a random person who sent in their, their vaccine card, like uh-huh. a student yeah. and give them tuition. And they really? would, so like they would, they had, the, you know, I, f- I forget who it is, the lady down at the corner and she's like, I'm here with so-and-so she's the winner of our student, you know, send in your vaccine program thing. And the crowd's just <laughs> they're oh just booing her and just up on the screen and it's like this kid just got like i don't know sixty thousand dollars or something of well, some, they, they paid their entire tuition it was like, they'll give you like 500 bucks towards your books or something no it was like a, really? huge, it was a huge deal i don't know the details so i'm not going to get caught like saying it was a specific amount but it was a big deal only one winner or whatever every time they have a home game and the crowd is just like, boo, you got to have this. That's like, hilarious. And I, like people, and they're like, anytime someone was on the projector wearing a mask, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. I hate, I, this, here's the thing is, I don't care if somebody's vaccinated or not vaccinated. I could care less, right? I make my own choices just like everybody else makes their own. But what I hate is when they give incentives to people and there's, now, a, a tuition is a different story. Like if you got 60K, you're like, dude, dude, give me a shot in every part of my body. I don't care. <laughs> but but when it's the, the incentive is so small, like uh, I think earlier in the thing, in the process, they were like giving out cheeseburgers in New York City or something like that if you got your vaccine. Uh, in other places, I think, because like you got a cookie or something like that. Okay. But like Irene and I went to go see Whitney Cummins, the stand-up comedian at the Egyptian Theater. Yeah. And we got to the, the kiosk uh, in the lobby to go get a couple of cocktails. And uh, I'm getting popcorn too. And the guy with who's clearly on a date to the left of me, he's I'm overhearing them. You know, he's like, "What if I don't have my card with me, but I have a picture of my vaccine card?" And she goes, "That's fine." So he shows her, and they get something, and they leave. 
And after they leave, I asked a gal though, check them out. I go, hey, uh, I just overheard, what was the story with the whole vaccine card and showing it? She goes, oh, if you show proof of vaccination, you get one small free popcorn. Yeah, you're like, that would have been worth it. <laughs> I would have went and got it for that. <laughs> the guy just saved $3.50. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's the yeah. part that to me is way too comical. It's like, if, like I have friends who are like all about it and that's fine. I don't care. I'm all supportive. I'm respectful towards my friends. But whenever the incentive is so small like that and that's your yeah. like, you know, that's kind of embarrassing. No, it's, I think the incentive is, is more like uh, you're free to move about the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. You can go on a cruise. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the incentive for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a lot. I, I, I might have just taken my, my chances with my own immunity and my youth and everything else. But it was like, it, this became clear that life's going to be a lot simpler logistically. Yeah. If you just go get this free shot. Yeah. And so I did. Can you still roll your R's? Oh, yeah. Can you? Say Sofia Regatta. Sofia Regatta. I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't um, add up. I had COVID. Did you have COVID? I think I might have had COVID. Oh, everybody says that. No, I, no, no. 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 So, so, you know, not that kind. Until not, you actually get COVID, not the bro. One, everybody else is a poser. Yeah, not the one where it was like, oh, I was sick before the first announcement. Yeah. Um, I, like two or three weeks ago, <coughs> speaking of which, yeah, I, <laughs> that's cough. one thing is I have a. I had, no, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this cough for going on three weeks now. So, yeah. It's post COVID. So, so I feel like after I had what was legitimately um, the cron, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I, I get like a cough when I kind of start warming up for, for volleyball or something or jogging. It's yeah. uh, the cough comes back a little bit. But um, so Marin had like a pretty good sinus infection for almost the entire winter and colds here and there. You didn't think but, she was like a strong coca- cocaine addiction? <laughs> if she's constantly going. <laughs> no. So... Um, we we went to um, we went to Mesa, Arizona, to visit her grandma, and at the time, what they had said was like, you know, her cousins, so a niece, so and so, we're staying with the aunt, and it's like niece so and so got COVID and isn't going to be joining. They had planned to come and visit with us while we're here, mm-hmm. but they're going to be at their house. But we're still all cool, and so we went and visited the aunt. And uh, we actually went and visited the people who had COVID too, but like in their front yard. And we you know, never, never got super close, wore our masks and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out that the, the wife of the husband that had, so the husband over here has COVID. The wife never got it, never t- tested positive for it. And the people that we were with in the house, like on our way back, are like, oh, we're going to go get tested, not feeling all that great. And so they test positive. So the aunt and the, the niece and her fiance that did visit us, we were sitting around a table like this with them with no mask on. It's like yeah. they, they're the ones who came and said, hey, we tested positive. And while I was down there, uh, so Marion was recently recovering from her sinus infection and I had a bit of a cough, but I didn't feel like I had any kind of COVID symptoms. And like I disclosed to your you know, viewers who unsubscribed recently that I am vaccinated. So <laughs> wax the vax. So it wasn't like I was never worried about that I was going to get something severe. Mm-hmm. And Omicron is like classically reported as the much milder. Yeah, the one to get. Yeah. So we, we come back and I start like smelling this irony and tasting this irony taste in my mouth. And it's kind of like the taste of blood. Mm. And it's like, 
I remember we were eating barbecue on the last night that we were there, and I'm like, that's an interesting flavor of that barbecue Is sauce. Cannibalism? I was just thinking, like, that, that's not the, like, it's something weird. I, I haven't tasted this, this before. This is pork, right? Not human? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would have chose that, but okay, it's fine. It's good. Please tell me a story ends I, with you finding out that this is somebody's, like, leg that you're eating. Like no, a cat. no, it does uh, not in that. Uh, but it ends with, basically, when I, when I start smelling coffee, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that smells like the barbecue sauce that I had. And I'm going, oh, okay, everything tastes and smells the same. I didn't lose taste and smell. It just changed it. But everything had this weird metallic undertone to it. And so that, that was when I was like, I probably have COVID. And I cough once every five minutes. Uh, you never felt run down or a headache. See, I had the, I, my symptoms nope. were um, scratchy throat. That was the first day. And then it was uh, two days of like that uh, head cold, like that migraine, that nothing would take it away. And then once that <clears throat> went away in two days, it was essentially another seven days of fatigue. Um, but then, and, well, and dry cough. So the raspiness of the voice and the dry cough is basically the only thing. Got my energy back. In fact, I was building through through it all, but um, that was the extent of mine. And then Irina didn't get it. And I got the PCR and all that stuff. So like I took the like legitimate stuff. Um, and then Irina didn't get anything. And I was like, how is she not getting it? And then lo and behold, like day like six, she tests positive. It's like, ah, gotcha. Yeah. That, so one of the, the one of the things that I say I think I had COVID is because mm-hmm. I didn't go get tested for that. And at the time, it was like you could no longer just drive up to Walgreens and get a test. No. And if you did get one on the schedule, it took a couple of days or three days to get back. And your quarantine period was five days from when you felt sick. There's such so a shameful. Like, there's no reason to know if I have this or not. By the time right. I find out, it's it's over. Yeah, I, I got myself tested only after all the symptoms, like the major symptoms went away and I was feeling better. And I was like, uh, we have some events coming up. I was like, I don't want to go to it knowing that I tested positive. And then like, you know, and I, like, do we need to cancel them or not? And uh, that's how that worked. But there was this like, it's funny how before, what is it? COVID has been around now for what, two years now? In the earlier stages, everybody freaked out, rightfully so. Nobody knows what's going on. But then as we got into the second year, we're, like a lot of people are already fed up with it. And like, who cares? We're all going to get it kind of thing. And no matter how much you go, I don't care. Or somebody will say like, hey, I'm feeling a little sick. You still want to hang out? And they're like, I don't care. Let's do it. It's different. There's this feeling of like when you either go into primary health to go get tested and you see yourself and like 20 other people in their car because they're going to come out and test them as well. Like you become this like gross person now, right? And then when you Mm -hmm. test positive and uh, let's say it's like six days after you tested positive and you're going skiing with your friends, you can't help but go like, are they going to be weirded out? You You feel feel shame. Yeah, I feel shame for sure. And And I don't know why because we were all going like, I don't care if I get it. But it's like, I. it's funny because my buddy, uh, he was no, one you, after the- you need to unpack this. There's there's it's a, there's something's triggering shame in you, and yeah. it's not COVID. It's not COVID. Well, so you, my, you need to unpack this yeah. with a professional. So, we could do that if you want. Uh, please do. Uh, <laughs> my my parents were not very affectionate people, and a lot of it has to do with that. Maybe perhaps uh, I was always a dirty bird. You know. Yeah. What um, you know? What what might your parents say if you brought home an F on a report card? Oh, I was beat, dude. Yeah. I, I, I was not good with, it's, oh, we are doing this. Okay, I like this. <laughs> uh, I was not good with school uh, at all. I, I had a, a, some serious ADD that prevented me from actually concentrating. 
Um, and my, my reports card, I remember <clears> trying to come home because back then reports card, report cards were mailed to your house. Um, and I remember trying to watch the mail and see if it came in. Yeah, you want to doctor that up before. Right. And, and <laughs> it's, immigrant got a, it's got a seal on yeah, it. Yeah, and Im- immigrant parents don't really go like, immigrant parents don't write you a sick note and take it to school. You yeah. write the sick note and then just have them sign it. Uh-huh. That's how immigrant parents work. And so immigrant parents don't go like, oh, every quarter you get a report card. They don't know. They're yeah, more like, hey, like, <laughs> it's been six years. Yeah. I have a report card. <laughs> How are, you, how are you doing in school? Yeah. Are you going yeah. to school anymore? And so I remember, so C's, so C's, C's, D's, and F's were pretty common. Um, so I would definitely have maybe like four, C, uh, maybe a B in like A or B in an art class. Yeah. Right? But then all the important classes, it would be like maybe three C's, a D, and there's definitely usually a one F hiding. Not more than one, but one mm-hmm. F. That's usually my combination. So, so you got physically beat, but did the, would you know? Would mom call you an idiot or something? Would you be was there be a <coughs> name in there? There was no name calling. Um, I I got a bunch of uh, belt whoopings, um, a lot of groundings from like TV. Uh, what I did have uh, that was verbal was, uh, and this is probably across all immigrants maybe uh is <laughs> we, we, uh, all the, the immigrants the, listen up <laughs> listen up yeah, you're the problem uh shame there was a lot of shame of like uh you're going to be i remember specifically my grandmother constantly telling me you're going to be a garbage man when you grow up there you go yeah <laughs> well there you well, go that was kind of where it came from well and, and the, you know respect to the garbage men out there that yeah, was yeah. just grandma didn't know that was a great career that, Exactly, because she didn't know they call them sanitational engineers. She, she meant she meant it as an insult, but you know, there's a lot of great garbage people didn't, out there. She didn't realize you have an engineering degree behind it. Okay, so yeah, that's the kind of and because somewhere in there you learn this pattern of like, yes. oh, I'm the bad, I'm bad because I got sick, I'm bad because I failed at this, I let people down because I got COVID. Now yeah. I now I have to sort of I owe people this like apology, or I'm not good enough to. Be, I know, don't to feel, go skiing with my buddy. Well, he, I don't. Okay, so here's the thing. Apart from this example of testing positive, um, I don't know any other aspect of my life. Well, I I do have a feeling of like letting people down. That's a pretty crappy feeling. And that's mm-hmm. a whether you're the weakest link on a volleyball uh, team because uh, you and I we play on teams together, um, or I am the dumbest person in a group project. Um, like I don't like that feeling of being the dumbest, or or being the last, um, or the one who needs help and attention from those around you. You want to pour into the the bank, and not withdraw. From correct. It. I don't want to be the 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 one that's like the caboose on this, right? Yeah. Um, and so maybe that stems a lot from it. But uh, letting people down is a uh, is a, something that I always try to avoid. But I also don't put myself in too many situations that I would have to like. I mean, look what I do for a living. Like right. I, I work by myself with you, Kyle. You get to you're you're naturally winning a lot lately. You don't have moments where you feel like you lost, and so there's not there's not a lot of opportunities to feel. Yeah, I'm not letting anybody down. Shame. But you got sick with COVID, and now you let your family down. Do, do you know what really? really and this is probably, now that I'm thinking. Um, do you know what would cause me to have the most amount of like I've let somebody down and feel absolutely terrible, and I don't know how long it would take me to rehabilitate from it is if I got a DUI. I knew. Okay. I know so many people who have DUIs. It's like such a common thing, but I, I, for some weird reason, and it's funny because I don't, my job doesn't depend on it. I mean, yeah, maybe go and get supplies, but I could, I'm sure I could figure out how to contract somebody else mm-hmm. to get my supplies. But the feeling of like dad can't drive because dad got a DUI, 
or maybe driving an influence like with the family. If I did that, that would wreck me because that's like the oldness meant letting somebody down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, which is rightfully so, right? Yeah, I think this, you know, has a little, a little bit to do with what you're told is like the ultimate sin. And somewhere along the lines, you've been shown like, hey, a man can't have this you know, on his record and it makes you a bad person for doing that. And so for me, a, a lot like divorce was that mm. you're not allowed to get a divorce. You, you know, you're branded once you have that and that's the worst thing you can do, et cetera. Did you get so, counseling when you got oh yeah. divorced? Oh yeah. Is, what did they, did they tell you anything that was helpful to get out of that stage? Ooh, Cause I want to find mean, a good reason to get a DUI. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be embarrassed for it. You know what I mean? One day when I get it. Well, so, yeah, so I I guess like. This this is particle board. To go back kind of to like a a full circle and like a quick little thing about this whole like the the COVID thing and feeling shame. um, You know, it's very different than, you know, having uh, going through divorce and through the course of years. I think it's equal. (laughs) (laughs) Having several, you know, therapy sessions, um, getting to know yourself and why you feel certain ways you do. But yeah. yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm saying it's a can of worms we don't have time for it to, right. to connect. Right, right, right. There's no connecting. But was there something that they, like, uh, in counseling that somebody could, like, tell so, you to be like, hey, don't yeah, so like, shame. so, like, here's your low-hanging fruit, you know, things like should. Let's, like, this, is a, this isn't even really therapy. You might have come across something like this from a, an Instagram influencer. You know, say, let's remove the word should from some of your vocabulary. So like a man should be married. A man should work and do this and do that. And a man should not have a DUI. And, uh-huh. you know, a winner doesn't do this. And so what is the source of your external measurement of right and wrong and good and bad? And is that this typically an amalgamation of how you were raised, your teachers, your coaches, your pastors and your friends and all these people built this snowball for you and that's how you know what is and is not acceptable it goes mm. back to this social contract you know your this that was your storming and your norming you think this is what a man is and what he should and should not do so when you violate one of those shoulds and should nots you don't feel like a man because this is now your equation says so okay i and i that makes sense now explain to me then where is the line right so if we take I love the saying that our ideas are not us, right? Because there was a time mm-hmm. that we didn't have those ideas. So therefore, like, don't Ooh, be part okay. of those ideas. Yeah, there right? was a time you didn't have that idea. You didn't have that idea. So you used to be a blank slate. And then those ideas were put into your head or convinced or whatnot. So you are not your idea. So let's say we're going to take, for example, obviously DUIs is such a silly example. Um, because everybody should have at least one. <laughs> I'm kidding. So silly. It's such a silly topic. <laughs> no, but but um, we'll just we'll we'll use um, a man. Uh, we're not even going to put you in, but like testing positive, right? Like you're you feel like you've let somebody down, or you're mm-hmm. a, a dirty bird that you should not be testing positive. Um, if you don't have a, a, a society that kind of helps establish those lines. Mm-hmm. And you say, we're going to take them all, those shoulds off the table. Yeah. Then what's free play? So I would say, you know, hey, I didn't have this idea of the shoulds being off the table until somebody told me that or until I came across that idea. So we, I think we all are raised with our list of right and wrong just as though it's, it's solid truth. There's nothing to examine. And this, you know, dad said, I can't go out past 8 p.m. I have to be home. You don't, as a four-year-old, say, well, why does dad make that rule? And it, can I take that off the table and examine, <laughs> you know, you just do as, as dad says. And so we all grow up with like, 
just accepting what we're told and that's the only that's the whole world you know and so one day you do come across new ideas somehow someone in someone else became more enlightened than that and said no actually there's there's multiple opinions on what we should and should not do and what we can and can't do and now you know, we have completely different ideas out there you know um, whether it's politics or religion or just conduct in general and speech um, so I've lost now why I'm talking. Okay. What does Michael, my, my, what is Mike, Michael, Michael Scott says? Sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going, but, I, are, I, but I hope I get there. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I guess the question is, is if we have... Uh, where these, was the line was the question. Right, and who defines yeah. the line? Because yeah. there should be a line, right? Like you should well, not... Well, well, you just said should and should. Well, right, no, but because <laughs> should you uh, hit a woman? No, you should not hit a woman, okay, right? Sure. Should you commit a murder? No, so, you should so not. So yes, I, I was actually, when you said where is the line, I would say... Harm is the most self-evident thing to start from. True. If you don't know what good and evil is, you do know what harm is. Mm -hmm. For the most part, there's some things that's kind of like, okay, is that just me sacrificing for now to get something better later? Is that the same as harm? But, for, you know, that's the margin. The, the, the majority is harm is very clear. Okay. That's detrimental to you. You should not do that which is harmful. Is you know, it's So even if you... So I don't necessarily know what good is, whether this feeling of like, is, right? is pleasure good or is hard work good? Okay, well, both, but it's the absence of harm. Is there harm in either one of those in, this, in, the, in the specific you're looking at? Yes or no? If it's no, then they're equally not harmful. And so the absence of harm is good. You could start there. Okay. And you could build the more nuanced structure of, of okay, where's the shoulds and shouldn'ts. That's a great approach. I, and I think that's a great approach towards life, right? Where it doesn't matter what the complicated thing is. It's like, are you dating somebody who is causing you maybe, if not physical, but emotional harm? Well, that's not a good candidate, right? Yeah. Are you, you know, uh, an overconsumption of any kind of substance? Well, there's no harm. Well, there is harm because it's harming your body. And that, that's a great and measuring And possibly rod. your mind and many other things. Right. So you had, you know, you, the, when you started in on like, where's the line? Okay, you shouldn't hit a woman and you shouldn't murder. You started instantly with things that are clearly large harm. Okay. So even without articulating that as the baseline, everyone goes to that and says, okay, well, every society says it's wrong to murder. Every society says, you know, it's wrong to steal. So you can clearly just... Yeah, even w even without knowing that was the the way you wanted to articulate the platform, you said, "What about this and what about this?" So then, okay, to piggyback off of your example, let's say divorce, right? Because we all have the preconceived mm. things like that's a taboo thing. Don't do that. Because my brother's divorced, and that was the same thing that he kind of felt, right, coming out of it. Um, do you go? Was that an idea that was put in my head? And you would never wish it on anybody, but when it does happen, do you just go that that feeling of I am. Uh, in either leftovers or whatever you want to use it. Yeah. Does that, do you step back and go, um, that's an idea that's put in my head. And that's a social construct or, or what's the approach? So I, I think, um, you know, we're talking about how I, how I assume other people are thinking about me, you know, mm -hmm. like is used goods or damaged goods. I would say one that is, yes, it is like some, an idea that was put in my head, but, but two, I did grow up in that community. I know exactly what people think and say in that community, right. what I've heard firsthand, <coughs> what I've maybe said firsthand. Mm -hmm. um, so I know for a fact, like, that's not, that's not something I just made up that people 
were going to look at me a certain way. But I was more focused on that rather than an area where I, I, I wasn't allowing to say, there's other people out there who think of you much better than that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they maybe even outnumber the voices over here that say something like, you know, you've, you've ruined your life and whatever else. So you're saying you're listening to that voice more than you listen to the we, other voice? We always have a negativity bias for sure. Because that's so. I mean, my question is, is the solution, because you know where the root is coming from, right? Because you're saying I was part of that community where I was raised in that community. So it's not, you don't, you're not wondering where it came from. You know where it came from. I know from. where it came from. I know where the voice came from. But then says, when you recognize yeah. it, right, what's the approach to, like, how do, because recognizing is one thing, right? Yeah. When they say, well, the problem is it's your, your upbringing, your nurture, right? Nature versus your nurture, it's your relationship with your parents, it's what, yeah. and you recognize, you know what it is. Now, how do we figure out the approach to how do we fix it? Yeah, so like you were told only, you know, only bad or incomplete or insufficient men get divorced. And mm-hmm. so here you are divorced, and you don't think you're a bad or incomplete or insufficient man. So how do you reconcile that to, I can accept myself as a, as a human being and be proud of myself, et cetera. That's, that's what you're saying. How do you yes. move into that yes. therapy? The solutions. Because like, <laughs> to me, I've always it. like, I, I don't need a therapist to tell me what the problem is because I can probably tell you exactly what the problem is. I need practical applications on a daily basis to be like when those negative voices come in, so how the, do I approach that? That's a really good attitude. So um, Brene Brown had an interesting comment about um, about gratitude. You know, this is saying that the attitude of gratitude, and she said like, gratitude's not an attitude, it's a practice. Gratitude is not an attitude. You have to actually practice it. You have to say things, write things of which you're grateful for. And Mm -hmm. so I would say, yeah, if you're trying to change the voice in your head um, that's, you know, telling you you are something, then, yeah, you have to have a practice. How do you tell yourself you're you're something different? How do you change the voices in your head? So maybe you need to change who it is you're listening to, the kinds of books you're reading and whatever else that, you know, put some positivity in you. Maybe, Maybe it's empty positivity for a moment. But you start to actually listen to a different crowd, a different voice, a different self. And, yeah, you have to actually put, put the inputs in. Interesting. Yeah, Isn't that a journal? Funny? People journal all the time. Journaling is super helpful for getting through a mindset issue. Have you ever journaled? Yeah, 100%. Do you, what's the approach? I'm learning a lot of new things. Like recently I learned what meditation really is, right? Because before I used to think it's this like yogi thing that you're sitting mm-hmm. there and you got some mantra that you're repeating and... But then I, the more people I speak to, they have such different variations of, of, of uh, um, meditation where it's like somebody's like, I just run without headphones on, meaning like I clear mm-hmm. thoughts out of my head or I just sit there and I breathe. I, the idea is the absence of stimulation of your brain. I guess that's the way it's kind of explained to me. It's always different. What's your approach on journaling? Because I've always thought journaling was, uh, dear diary, today was a good day. Um, I felt angry, but then... I caught myself and I, I did this to distract myself and I was not angry and I'm pretty happy with myself. The end. Good night. Have, have, you, Long have, have, you, have you written an entry like that into a journal? <clears throat> uh, no. Why do you think that journaling is that? Because of what TV would show you, what journaling, you know, the Dear Diaries. Sure. I think, yeah, that's Captain like Logs. that's like a middle school girl on TV. Yeah, would, you, would say, dear you have diary, pictures in your binder. Bobby is so cute, but he ignored me at lunch. Right. So we need yeah. to have a different title for it then because of that's yeah, what so, media showed it to us. Um, so journaling for me, it, it might be that I'm listening to a, a podcast or a, a, a seminar or a debate or something, and I'm writing down thoughts that I liked that were about the subject that I'm you know, considering. I don't necessarily put, you know, like, hey, this is my mindset today. 
and then you know flip a couple pages here's what Jordan Peterson said about it here's what Steve Harvey said about it and boom here's now where I'm at today it's not linear like that I'm more like just writing down quotes that I liked and components of that person's um, you know presentation it might be that I'm taking notes like an outline of someone's TED talk or something and those notes just strictly help me remember it it's not even about referencing later um, but it's just concreting it a little further in my mind. There is that they, they do say that by you writing something down, it's not necessarily for you to reference it later. It's the fact yeah. that it's allowing your mind to digest it a little bit further by writing it down. So for me, that's that's the most that's the kind of journaling I have done. And then if, <coughs> if I do have, um, you know, m more kind of conflicting thoughts, like, should I, you know, should I take a job or am I happy with this person or you know, there, I might kind of start writing out some of, not necessarily a pro and con list, but like in sort of a narrative form of like, here's why I like this idea, here's why I don't like this idea. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a way of articulating what's going on in your head. Once it's out on the paper, I can also breathe a little bit and instead of thinking about that all day and instead of, you know, losing sleep over it and wishing you had said something, um, it's now written down and I can move on and I've got space in my head now. That's a very powerful thing that I've recognized. Uh, this la the very last part about writing things down because it's not in your head anymore. I always underestimated the power of that. And the way I stumbled across, and I only stumbled across in the last maybe like a few months, is I would catch myself having pretty interrupted sleeps in the middle of the night and I'd wake up. Uh, I always have a little bit of anxiety because whether or not I'm going to fall back asleep. And I have a pretty strong track record of staying up another two hours and not falling asleep to like five again. And I'd be a zombie. And the one thing that's a thing the, that I'm trying to stop doing while I'm having the anxiety is stop thinking about stuff. Just think of a blank canvas, think mm -hmm. of a black curtain or something like that. But the power that I found is throughout my day, if I need to do something, I have a, a list. So for example, I have a list for computer work. Don't forget to send this to somebody. Don't forget to answer that email. By me writing it into my phone little task thing yep. that says computer work, I now offloaded this bandwidth off my brain. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, there, there's so much power behind it. Have you ever felt like you know, you're sitting there contemplating a, a conversation you and Irina had and you felt misunderstood or something and you're like, I really wanted to say this. And I, it, yeah, I do. You, you stew on it. Yeah. But if you just put that down in your text and say, hey, we had this conversation last night and I just wanted to say this and, and get this feeling out there. We can start with this message and maybe we could talk about it later. Mm. Send that. Now you don't have to think about it for the rest of the day at work. That's a good way to do it's it. It's out. That's a good way to do it. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm not giving people relationship advice. I think, but you, I think you should. I think if, it's a great example. If you know yourself, I know that I, if I, if I don't do that, and I did something like that kind of recently, um, and, and I was just like, Hey, this, this kind of bothered me, but I know tonight we're busy and then I don't really want to sit here and hold this for another 24 hours cause I'm going to be silent and stern, or I'm going to be giving you no benefit of the doubt and just kind of looking for the worst and looking for an excuse to be mad. And you just kind of hold and fester and then things kind of have a way of either blowing up at the end or it becomes full on resentment and it becomes full on disrespect later. All because I sat, you know, I've been now thinking about this issue. It was a 10 minute thing that happened, but I'm going to think about it all day at work, all night the next night. And then if we don't talk, you know, when are we going to talk tomorrow? Is it going to be another day at work? Right. 
so, wasting more and more time. Yeah, and and if if just saying, hey, I, we don't have to talk about this over text, but this is something that I'm feeling, mm-hmm. then it, then it's out. You know how I feel. I said how I feel. Yeah. I don't I don't have to think about how I feel anymore. It's documented. Yeah, there's and a lot. There's probably some people out there, especially with like <coughs> with with anxiety issues and stuff too, that are like that doesn't work that way. You can't just say something. Yeah. Now I'm anxious about the text and the feelings. <laughs> so, well, the worst one is if they answer that text and they go. So I think the where you're going with this is by you because you preface with we don't have to talk about it right now, mm-hmm. but I just want to let let you know that I'm I'm I was bothered I was hurt, yep. um, and it, and 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 the key is we don't have to talk about it now. You're praying and hoping that the person goes, uh, thanks for saying that. Yes, let's talk about it later or whatever. Mm-hmm. But on the off chances that they say, great, we're talking about it right now, and you're having a day now that you're working. And you're commuting in the communicating in the worst way to communicate is through text messaging. If if you, you knew that that was going to be bad for you, if you know yeah. yourself and you know you don't have time today or you're not going to yeah. communicate over text very well, then you should just say that in that same text. Correct. And say, hey, I know I, know I don't normally text a lot about my feelings, but I wanted you to I wanted to put this down. Maybe we can talk about it later. Is tonight good? Or in my case, like. That night wasn't really a great time. We had like, you know, 30 minutes before something and then after it was going to be real late. And it's like, I would rather handle it over text because to me it was pretty, it was a pretty straightforward. Like if I just tell you how Because well, she was wrong and you're right. <laughs> it was definitely not that. Now we're going to get the show canceled. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get some lawsuits over that one. <laughs> some defamation. Um you know, I, I would, I guess I would just summarize it by like, in our case, it was something that could be like, oh, this is how it came across and how I felt. Oh, this is how, this is what I really meant by that. And you could reach an understanding pretty quick. It wasn't like, um, you know, it wasn't something like, hey, I've been thinking I don't want to have a kid with you. Uh-huh. You know, oh, that's, uh, we need to have a much bigger conversation about that. And you just dropped a bomb yeah. on her day. Right. And that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm saying no. like. I was just gonna hold on to my feelings and thoughts and think about them all day at work. Now I've got it down. And if I didn't text that, if you don't want to text that, then still write the mess, write the thing down how I'm feeling this morning. Go ahead and write it out in narrative. Don't send it. Yeah, I uh, I have a tendency to uh, overlook uh, and uh, or read into too much stuff that is communicated to me in my relationship. Let's say with my wife. Um, you know, I, for some weird reason, I know she has good intentions towards me, right? There's, she never says anything just out of spite because she knows she's trying to like jab at me for something. It, there's a 10 year track record, so I know that's not the case. But for some weird reason, I always find places to be on the bitterness train and I'll read into things. Like she, like for example, here's a great example. We were at a, a group event and somebody said, "Hey, we should all do this thing." It's like a. Sound, of, it sounded real, real sketchy already. You're at a group event. <laughs> hey, everybody, we should all do this thing. But don't make it weird. <laughs> it's all about trust. Okay. okay. All right. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. But it was a. It, we're like a group hangout. <laughs> it doesn't help by describing it like that. Uh, we were a group hangout, and somebody said, "Hey, let's all do this." Like, uh, I think it's like a a marriage counseling uh, seminar kind of thing. And Irina sitting next to me and she looked at the person who pitched that and she goes, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And to me, I don't care about going or not, like that's not irrelevant to me, but I read into the fact that she agreed to it 
without even just looking at me for a second. Because mm-hmm. to me, I would have loved for her to like, just do a quick little two second. Like, we could do that, right? And then turn back and be like, yeah. Um, but to me, what I read into, and I know she was not trying to be like disrespectful or hurtful, mm-hmm. is all I saw is that she was looking at this person to the right of her and said, yeah, we're going to do it. And then I'm like, I would have loved at least a glance, like an eye connection. Yeah. And that allowed to sit and fester and blow into something in my mind. So what I've learned is to not enslave myself to those kind of bitternesses. What I try to do now is to apologize or not even apologize because that's not something for me to apologize. I, I'm trying to get better and better about sharing exactly what bothered me as yeah. soon as I can. So, yeah, when, you, when you're riding home from that event, you might say, hey, there was a moment there where you agreed to go to that marital counseling thing. And it, and it felt like, from my perspective, it's something I would have wanted to yes. talk with you beforehand. And it made me feel a little bit skirted or it made me feel a little bit um, not important. Or did you mean for it to come across as, as though I'm, I'm not supposed to be involved in that decision or something? Yeah. And I and think that's a situation where they go, no, that's not what I meant at all. I was just trying to be polite and agree to that person. And yes. and I'm totally going to talk about it. And it's easier to say no later than to tell the guy no to his face and insult right. him in front of the whole group. And, and 100% of the time, that's usually how the conversation goes. In fact, we talked with this happened on Wednesday. We talked yesterday, which is Thursday. I addressed it to her. Um, and it's exactly that. She goes, I thought I did look at you. I was like, no, but you looked at me like after you had committed to us. But I read into it. Like it's not necessarily. There you go. If you're if you know yourself well enough to say I read into this and, and I wasn't giving you the benefit of the doubt, that's a great place to start. I am a firm believer that the brain is a very dangerous thing because the brain can convince you of things that are not there. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's it's from lunatics mm. who say they saw Sasquatch to to people like myself who are finding themselves yeah. reading into things that are not there. I know she means well for me. She has never tried to hurt me with being like uh, disrespectful. Uh, but my brain still finds these places to be on that bitterness train. And so my job is to get things out of my head by the quicker that I share that with her, the quicker she'll explain to me what really happened and yeah. the quicker we're past it. One of the phrasings I've I've heard and to, for this type of situation is the story I'm telling myself is Well, I like blank. that. Yeah. So yeah. when you, you know... You, you agree to that. And the story I'm telling myself is that you you didn't really think I, I'm important to decision making. And I know that's probably not true, but I want to tell you how I was. Right. What that's what that's doing in my head and give you a chance to make me feel better about it, please. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> Something for sure. Like that. For sure. No, it, it's it's powerful. I think what ends up happening, one of my favorite quotes is marriage gets bitter or better. And the quicker you take things that will make it bitter off the table by just sharing it with the person the the faster you'll get out of that bitterness but bitterness will swell and it'll constantly add to it the more time you let it sit there that you don't bring it to light to the person's attention because it's going to be a small thing like that the fact that she didn't look at me just to grab my attention to see if i'm on board then to uh today you know the fact that she took my car and it's on empty and she didn't fill it up and that that just added like ounces become pounds and compounded interest. Yeah, yeah. If you let something, I would say, if, if, if for me, if I let like an uncommunicated negative feeling become, and I'm sitting and festering it, and that next thing happens, that's where it's like I know it's going to result in resentment, and I know it's going to result in disrespect. So you might, I guess, you could call that bitterness and put that in the same, absolutely, the same umbrella. Yeah. And for me to just go ahead and and communicate it 
and try to communicate it without. I've also learned, you know, sometimes when I communicate what's going on, uh, my partner doesn't want to hear like you a lot. So they wouldn't, in your case, they wouldn't want to hear you said to that person that we were going to do this and you didn't look at me and you didn't think about me. And you, it's like, instead of phrasing everything as what you did, it's more like, I heard you say this and I felt negated in that. And I was telling myself that I was less important. And so it was more. So did the you make it seem like you're assuming what she meant, right? Uh, there, There's an element of that. And there's just like a self-righteousness when you're telling somebody you did this and you did this and you did this. Oh. You're, you're, I think, taking this role as the external source of the right and wrong again and what the shoulds be. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying you didn't put the gas in the truck and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. It's like, okay, but you, you might say, Hey, when I got the truck back, it was out of gas. Was there an emergency or something you were dealing with? Or I like, I like to be, and this <laughs> is not, not I don't know, tra- trapper in a corner of that or anything, but it's like, Hey, I, I, <coughs> I thought we might've talked about this before. I thought we agreed we would fill up the truck. And I don't know if this is a healthy <laughs> thing to do because Irene and I, we communicate through laughter and humor. And it's very rare that we actually have serious, you know. Okay, a good, ro- a good roast session. Right. And so what's <laughs> hilarious is, and I don't know if this is healthy, and I'd love to hear somebody else's perspective on this, but I have this like, almost like a, uh, a humor-based passive aggressiveness. Because it will like, well, I'll do that. Sound, like, sounds real healthy, yeah, Alex. I, like, <laughs> like, like the truck will come, let's say, for example, the truck will come back empty. And I'll be like, hey, you know what I like to do when the truck is empty? Fill her up. That's just a little trick that I like to have. <laughs> and then she will kind of laugh about it too. And then, you know, maybe I'm actually like, oh, is that what you like to do? I was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. I don't know if you're, you know, but, it, sure. but that's, I think it only works so, because she's so nice. If it was an average well, person. You guys have established your norm. And yeah. so if. Our so storm. What I've, well, you storm you to establish the norm, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what I've learned with my partner, there are a lot of things that I think of as like, well, maybe to me were negative or bitter comments don't come from a place of negativity or bitter in her heart. And she's saying that with a different type of sarcasm. So you guys have this passive aggressive sarcasm that to someone else would piss them off. And they would, they would be like, you're an absolute jerk. And I had to take the kids to school and this and that. And you don't even care the fact that I was running late and Mm -hmm. now you're just making fun of me for bringing the whatever. So, but your pattern's totally different. And so if, if she, language is just communication of intent. And so if your intent is to gently remind her that you'd like the gas to be filled in the truck when she brings it back and to let her know that you love and value her, right. and that's how you do that through sarcasm and she receives it that way, then 100%. You're so I'm right. Everybody should do it. <laughs> everybody should do it. That's not going to be the case with everybody who's not in a 10-year relationship. I think we need to redefine this podcast to be the Love Line 2.0, right? Yeah, so You'll we'll be get a caller on the line here, Kyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, this is Stacy calling. Yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what to do, Stacy. My, my boyfriend hits me. You're like, well, what are you doing wrong, Stacy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly Jokes. how much weight have you put on in the last week? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I thought it was bad what I said. <laughs> no. Um, no, so that's one of my spiritual gifts is take it when people are up to the line of where, like, offensive is. And like everyone's chiming in, I always give it that last little nudge, and then everybody goes, "Oh, that was awful!" And I'm like, "Wasn't everybody just doing that?" I, <laughs> yeah, it's like when everybody's flicking boogers and swatting uh, little uh, what are they? Uh, what do they call them? This is what they did at the group event you were at. Flicking boogers, flicking boogers at each other. You throw the whole binder. We're all, and get gonna, we're all gonna flip boogers at each other now, folks. 
Okay. Also, right hand red. I would love to hear what your perspective is on this whole metaverse that's being developed. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we segued because you know we, just, we took a nice long uh, path to your psyche and relationships. And I like it. Those are my favorite conversations. Huh? But that just shows that we're men in our 30s. Yeah. You know, are you still? You're still in your 30s. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> I'm. I'm in my 30s. I'm. We're, uh, we're screaming towards 40, but, you Anything know. happened before we get into it? Did, I always like asking people questions. Uh, how old are you? You're 33. Three. Did anything specifically happen when you turned 33 in terms of, like, getting older that it's, like, a negative thing? Like, some people, it's they can't eat certain foods you, after a certain I, time. When I turned 27, all my joints started making noise. Interesting. Yeah. No, Not pain. Nothing, nothing crazy, you know, but, like, I'm talking about, like, you just be turning your ankle and cow, 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 cow. I click you, every time I walk my right you, ankle just clicks and now if I squat down you hear all the and it's only AS, your, this is ASMR channel now yeah I know is it only lower body or is it it's like mostly short? yeah mostly well because it's you, not my ankles and my or my elbows and wrists or anything. it's mostly knees ankles well you played some aggressive sports with like ultimate frisbee and then volleyball yeah and, like and, I, and I don't know if there's any real damage there or not or what makes the noise it's not like I said, it's not painful yet but I definitely noticed that, and I was like, "Huh, this is what your, the rest of your life looks like." So now yeah. it's more when you get out of the chair and everything is all. <sighs> yeah. Anything else? Is it sleep or is it food after a certain time? Beer? Can you drink beer? Yeah, I, 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 can, drink, I, I can drink beer. I can't drink beer. <laughs> or or what? You get gassy and bloaty, or <laughs> no? It's bloated. I get bloated, and if I have it in the at night, like I'm not sleeping well. Yeah, no, I can drink alcohol and go to bed. Um, I still feel mostly the same as 24, 26, except for the physical recovery of. You know, like I said, playing sports, you know, the fatigue is way more um, intense and the recovery time is a lot longer. You do something, you know, light, you go play pickup basketball. And then that night you're just like, wow, I'm yeah. sore. It feels like I've been working on a roof for a week. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> just working on a roof for a week. Yeah. You haven't been on too many roofs. Have you? <laughs> feels like I've been, you know, bending over and dragging around heavy shingles and yeah. nailing it, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your back's all tight, shoulders are tight and stuff. If you have a poor night's sleep, can you kind of rally for the rest of the day? Um, yeah, a couple cups of coffee. For, for me, it's an accumulative thing. Like if I if I stay up late on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. um, it used to kind of be like by Thursday or Friday, I would have a rock star in the day. So like we're not talking about crazy caffeine here. I've got friends that are four cups of coffee and a, and a rock star in a, in a single day. You got your monster, monster there. Is right that your there. breakfast, lunch, dinner monster? <laughs> no, I usually have one a week. Okay, one a week. So yeah, yeah and here we are on Friday, right? So yeah. your week was longer. Exactly. And you haven't caught up on your sleep. That's how I was. Um, lately it's just two cups of coffee and I'm, I'm, you know, a cup of coffee in the, in around eight thirty, nine o'clock and another one, maybe 11 o'clock. Uh-huh. And, and that's it. I don't have to, okay. So you're still, a lot of you're still stretching father time. Cause you got a full head of hair, right? <laughs> I do. You still have a, your sleep's not being affected. I've realized in this last like couple I don't of, have kids though yet. That's true. That, that does change it. That's going to change. It's also interesting because this is my third kid and it's, I've been awakened in the middle of the night in my 20s, you know, because I became a dad at 26. And from that point on, like, it was no problem. I just wake up, you have bad night's sleep, a bunch of coffee, I'm fine. Now, if I'm awoken in the mm. middle of the night from crying, it's like I am, the coffee's not doing You never it. get caught up. You just feel I, I groggy the whole day. I do. Yeah. So my only solution to it is I have to go work out. Like, so that's the only way to get out of that mental fog. Mm. There's been days that like she will wake up at like 3.30 in the morning and I'm wide awake because she's been screaming for a while. And I'm like, well, I might as well just get up and, you know, shave two, three hours off my alarm clock and just get to work. And then next thing you know, an hour later, I'm falling apart and I need to go back to bed. 
Like it's it's wild. It was like mm. a flip of a switch for at, me. At what age? Uh, so I think 33 or am I 33? You're 33. I am. 33. I don't know. I, don't I, know. I didn't know if I was 33. <laughs> Why am I yeah. telling you? I didn't know if I was 33. I'm going to be 34 this summer. It was exactly at 33 that that it happened. Huh. It was exactly. At, and in fact, it started happening in the last uh, three months. I feel like I haven't noticed anything of 33 specifically, like zero things that I would say happened at 33. 27 is where the joints changed and hasn't really had any major things since then. Here's another funny thing is you and I are very active people. And like I said, I work out on average about six days a week. And three of those days are cardio. Jack, last Cinco de Mayo, we were at a friend's house. There's a big lawn in the front yard. Jack's like, hey, dad, let's race. I go, dude, come on. I'm six foot two. I'm active. Athletic. I've got a horse's hamstring. <laughs> horse's hamstring. I'm a strong like bull. You're going right? down. Yeah. I was yeah. like, dude, why are we? He was, he was like, he's, I have longer, like, I'll beat you. Because I'm not one of those parents who's like, okay, let yeah. me fake it. No, 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 dude, we're going to do it for keeps. Yeah. For keeps. <laughs> Pink slips, son. <laughs> so you win, you get the Porsche. Right. I win, you're yeah. grounded for a month. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> so we we book it off the line. And as I'm a few strides away from the finish line, I feel this. Oh, well, first of all, I see him booking. Like he's putting yeah. the effort to the point that I was like, oh. He's, how old is he? He's seven right now. Okay. And, and I, was like, move. I was like, whoa, dude. Like this guy's no joke right now. Yeah. Like I actually feel competition. And I do what an average tall guy does. Like our strategy is get your knees higher, right? Like longer strides. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I go boom. So it was about I'm thinking on the fourth stride. I hear this rubber band pop no in the back of my way. hand. You pulled your hamstring. And then I your grabbed kid. it and I'm like just like lifting go, back go, into go, 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 go. So so that night I'm I'm putting a belt, tying like a tourniquet around my thing just yeah. to be able to like walk. And it was my first time that I was like, I cannot believe this. Like it's just I work out every day. And that happens. And that's that's an indication your body's falling apart, dude. Yeah. That is, that's tough. Yeah. That might be a hydration thing. You think so? I don't know. Do you drink water? Yeah. <laughs> there's water <laughs> in this monster. <laughs> exactly. Look, there's water. No, I drink a lot of water. Yeah. I drink no, water. I mean, that's a classic story. I've got my buddy, um, you know, he's, he's over 50 and he hopped out there on this softball field and pulls his hamstring going to second base. Uh -huh. like With that. a girl or? <laughs> Using the parking lot, going to second base. That's you know you're getting old. Yeah, you can't you can't do the the Russian eagle anymore. And you gotta, so <laughs> can't do it in the car anymore. So yeah, that's just everybody will reach that point in their journey. Maybe I don't know. You gotta, Father Time gets us all. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you just forget that um, there, there's a certain amount of warm up required for yeah. if you're gonna go over that eighty percent line. Sound like you had to kind of kick it in gear. Yeah, you can't just run a even even college athletes don't just go out there and run a hundred. <laughs> I went full but, send. <laughs> you know, uh, on track and field, it was the sprinters, man. It's the sixties and the one hundred meters because they're the explosive ones. They're right? the ones always pulling their hamstrings. And it, yeah, it's like, dude, you guys have so little to run. Yeah, <laughs> you're the ones getting hurt. What's the hurry? Wa so, watch the Olympics in, in the summer and see how many milers pull up with a hamstring injury. Yeah. Have you had any uh, like hamstring injuries or like no. that? No, no. I'm going to after the show. I'm sure that <laughs> you kind of step down my like one single step at the front yeah. porch and where's that guy? 
<laughs> by homeowners insurance. Well, whoever's to... upset about this, I'll be able to briskly jog away. I think. Briskly jog away <laughs> <laughs> after a quick warm up. Yeah, I need a warm up. But we so let's circle back to your NFTs. Maybe well, no, no, be... let's do the metaverse. I'm curious about the NFTs. Well, that, that's, yeah. well, same thing. It is probably same so, thing because I don't know that well enough. That I thought it's just an acronym for the metaverse. So I think the I think the metaverse is is the real deal. I loved uh, Ready, Ready Player One. Great. Ready Player Two. Great uh, movie. Well, the, and the book was a lot more detailed in terms okay. of like the people like you need to suck uh, no, 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 no. I never, hate when people go. I, I've never done this someone, before. <laughs> the book is like, oh, really? Somebody's painting me a picture, a visual graphic art, and then here I to rely on the, the no they, they did paint you you know that i forget the name of the art the author but he did paint you a picture in the yeah book. was it in 4k because <laughs> that's how i saw ready player one <laughs> well you know and ready player one they've got like they're in like vans and the kids the kids have they're mobile right and the kids have these headsets and hand setups that are and they're like in the actual streets and they're like holding little like fake guns and stuff and they're like outside uh -huh. in the book they're these kids are like inside really crappy apartments and stuff and they're like in a dark basement and they've put on 200 pounds and like they live vicariously in this universe in a chair um, like matrix style yeah more like matrix style and they do have some like higher tech setups that are more like a treadmill and more like a gyroscope where you do have some free movement i thought that's what the movie was like because he was in his van he had to go in his mm -hmm. van that was like an abandoned but yard. like when the kids are all like doing the big battle they're like actually are uh, they? out in the street oh, i gotta rewatch it again then and they're all like decently in they, they resemble humans like in shape that would be a good movie night but the yeah. the old you know, the, the book is more like people let themselves go and they just live vicariously purely as, you know, digital characters of themselves. And there was very little about the real, um, the tangible world. <coughs> but anyway, yeah, so I do think uh, headsets and haptic stuff will be will be the future eventually. Um, do you think that's everybody or do you think it's a certain kind of intrinsic person? Uh, I would say that, uh, that right now I think that... Um, I would say blockchain and the metaverse are to, you know, that is to the internet what the internet was to everything before the internet. You know, you and I playing Minesweeper and, and Space Invaders uh, mm -hmm. or whatever the space pinball was, and then the internet happens. Okay. Did you did you keep just playing Minesweeper or did you go to the internet? You went to the internet. I went to the internet. I and, went on. And that's where we're going to be. Um, I'm, I'm not like... You know, Gary Vee's going around just telling everybody NFTs are the absolute future. And if you have a pizza shop, you have to put your re your receipt on an NFT so that if it gets popular, you get royalties for people trading it and stuff. I don't know about all that. Right. But I do know that you're going right, to... So you want to buy a digital product for your character in the metaverse, uh, uh, or you want to buy land to live next to Snoop Dogg. But let's say that you just want a cool sword in this thing, and the person in the metaverse selling it to you lives in Uganda... How are you going to pay for that sword? You can't just, you're not going to Western Union some some money to them. <laughs> I was going to hit up uh, the and Prince you, of Nigeria. You can't Venmo them. You can't send it from Wells Fargo. You can't, there is no way to, like, and, and having traveled and like when I had money to take back, <coughs> yep. you say, I have, you know, foreign currency. I want to exchange it for U.S. They like put it in a box and mail it to the country. And they give me, you know, some horrible like 25% fee on, getting my money back that sort of stuff's just so archaic yeah you don't need any of that um and so absolutely like a digital currency is necessary well, i believe the digital coin right that yeah. part makes sense especially with something universal like that but the, the the my perspective on the metaverse was it was only the specific select group of online chat people right who 
don't like to meet people in person. That's why they, they go play Call of Duty. Yeah, or that, that's called everyone in the future. You think that's going to be everybody in the future? So, yeah, not only do, you know, there's whole continents that don't have as much Internet access that would, you know, become future consumers of this. But those that do, your gamers, I mean, how many people play Fortnite and Call of Duty and Apex and Among Us? And they'll, uh, they'll use the metaverse like a game and just play the game instead of on a screen having to move their eyes and look around. They'll go play a game where it's all around them. Well, that's that's the ultimate dream. And I think everybody would sign up for it. Like if you could be submerged, uh, submerged into Fortnite and you are that guy like with Oculus walking around, yeah. that would be badass. So but Ready Player One gets into like watching movies. You want to go watch Ready Player One, you'd go watch it from the character's eyes in the movie and you would go live the movie you go live of a mission impossible as as tom cruise oh you're the character in the thing right or you can watch it from any other perspective i know the ufc is working right now dana white was saying the metaverse for you to be able to go to the fight and sit at like ringside of the octagon yeah and I, watch these fighters i was just gonna say the super bowl but so so that's a blend of the real world and the metaverse you you know put on your put on your headset and now you're literally at the 50 on the and you know at the Super Bowl looking around and you paid money for that seat so now 10,000 people can buy that one seat instead of and they can charge whatever they want for it just like they charge a normal seat price right. um, but eventually you'll just be sitting courtside at a digital game anyway and you'll be sitting there watching people play NBA 2K right and you're literally watching that game from the perspective of being in the game and it's just as enjoyable or more now you're watching them play you know nba street ball and they're jumping 30 feet in the air and stuff like space jam 2. i i, I think right now it's not as sexy because anything that we see right now is like the pong uh, version of it Look, where it looks like we well yeah it's like you see like uh red brian redman he was uh, on on, a, on the podcast on rogan's podcast not mine <laughs> on the, he was on the podcast yeah the, he was on the podcast. anytime i say on the podcast that like i always be it's 100 percent rogan like okay who else is pod, would you say the podcast and uh he was showing clips of him doing like the metaverse things right now and it's like these like uh, anime, not anime. They, these the, the most like dorkiest. They look like characters from Grand Theft Auto, and like they're all like him and their and friends. They're hanging out in this like, cafeteria, and yeah. so, like it. It's not as like impressive. And I'm only assuming, yeah, as we evolve, technology is going to evolve now. Get us to the point where it's like such realistic reality. But listen, for you to put it on 3D glasses and you're on in Grand Theft Auto, it's Grand Theft Auto like two. Yeah, not even Grand Theft Auto like what is it five right now? Yeah. You're in Grand Theft Auto too. Like that's not as like oh, damn metaverse. That's I don't. I, I just don't know if you hear yourself. Like you, you use the reference of Pong. Yeah. And you use the reference of Grand Theft Auto Five. No, two Grand Theft okay, Auto Two. But but there's but, a five. But, but, but hang on, follow right. follow me here. Yeah. Pong was real. That's yes. a real video game. Yes. GTA Five is real. Yes. All right. There's a trajectory of quality. Yes. Okay. So now we're currently in the Pong stage. Where do you think we're going to go? I think you're right. I think we will be at uh, the real Call of Duty, right? You will be in the real, um, you know, right now you can go buy 007, right? Whatever the, the, the one, like it looks like a movie, right? Uh, so I know we're going to get there. The, I just don't know if we're going to get there in our lifetime. 
right? Like that visual. In your kid's lifetime, 100%. In my kids, yeah, for sure. Because you also, like, imagine you were born in a time that the internet didn't exist. Yes. And so you just played outside and you played football in the street and stuff. And then 1994 or something, you got uh, Windows 95 comes out in 95, obviously. But, like, AOL Messenger and, and Internet Explorer comes out. And that, like completely changed the, the the landscape of what people consider to be entertainment and how they shop and how they listen to music. So I totally think that this is the, the same exact thing where you currently go to Spotify and listen to music. You might just put on your metaverse glasses or, or not even put on the glasses, but the device that you use to, I mean, maybe it's more of like a, hey, Alexa, play. Am I going to trigger Alexa in here? No, no. But, no. <laughs> you know, if you we say, have sound deafening walls. If you said there. something like, you know, Alexa, play such and such concert. And, you know, your, maybe your headphones are kind of connected through the metaverse. So instead right. of instead of using your, your, the traditional Amazon account, it's using your metaverse account. And if you wanted to, you could put on your glasses and be at the concert or put on your glasses and watch whatever sort of generic visual. Co- they, they, you know, when you used to play like on um, QuickTime or some of these other uh, music apps and some of the random like lights and things and would would come on like it right. was its generic uh, visual that went along with the music. There'll be something like that where you're not consuming the same stuff you used to consume. Do you think, and this is, I guess, my big question about the metaverse is, do you think it's going to be what Ready Player One is where based off the movie, and I'm sure the book is goes in far more better detail on this, of like, this is what society does now? Or do you think it's just like, meaning like the whole point of like, you work and then you take all your money to escape into the metaverse, right? Or yeah. do you think it's just like our big screen TVs? It's just another form of entertainment. So I think it's a, it's, it's a tool and it's it's an interface and it's um, infrastructure. So imagine, I mean, a bridge, right? So the same thing, you know, dirt roads and the Pony Express are the way you got mail to someone eventually becomes paved roads and becomes mail carriers and that's way better and eventually it becomes email and fiber optic cables and that's way better and then eventually it becomes blockchain and the metaverse um, and now everything's like way more secure and way faster and there's 600 computers verifying every single transaction and um, I just think that that's how like you'll you'll process every transaction you do especially with blockchain when it comes to like Visa and MasterCard and in your typical banking, you're going to you're going to look back on this era where you had to talk to a person or pay a fee for an ACH transaction or you had to get you you could possibly get hacked and someone could take your money. Someone could spin your credit card. It's like that's no longer going to be possible. You can't hack a blockchain encryption with your laptop. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, that, that's the whole point of the infrastructure. And so now you're you're not just driving on eight lane highways. You're you're flying, and everything's that much faster. So when it comes to the metaverse, like is it a TV? Is it a this or that? Um, I would say it's an it's infrastructure. So somebody in another continent can come and work for Walmart.com in your area. And so instead of being uh, maybe a phone service rep, or you might call customer service, their avatar is sitting in Walmart, and you're doing your online shopping by like scrolling through, like maybe you even walk through the aisles, or maybe you scroll through things instead of typing in, you know, tires, yeah. uh, you, you just, you could still do the same, or say, take me to tires or something, and you literally go, and now you can like see the tires, and then you swipe them around and stuff, and pick them out, and then you can ask this guy over here, you know, how much is this? Or what do you think about that? Yeah. Or um, now 
the opportunities that were available to the person who could work at the Walmart right around the corner is available to everyone. And I, that's achieving, I think that's achieving a level of, of equality and opportunity that's not available anywhere else. Yeah, I think, um, I think with the invention of chat rooms in video games um, and how, much, how submerged we are with our phones and the fact that we're dating people with, via apps, I think it's far more convincing that we will be submerged, like our way of life will be through this kind of thing, mm-hmm. especially because not only does it create jobs, but also... Dude, and, and how much of, 20, speaking of jobs, like how much of 2020 showed people um, they can do with their job on Zoom? Yes. And they can do their job from here. You've got two computers here. I mean, you don't obviously have a corporate office you report to, but you can just report to your cool digital high rise in the, in the metaverse somewhere if you want. Yes. Um, yes. I think like, there's legitimately um, uh, opportunity to, to make people's lives better that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, but it's, it's wild too, right? Because the opportunities for you to have certain experiences. Because I remember I was at my brother's, uh, my wife's uh, little brother's house, and, uh, which is my brother-in-law, but it's weird to say when they're young. But um, he had Oculus, and he had this kind of a post-apocalyptic video game where it's kind of like an exploration kind of thing. But it was this trippy feeling where you have these like um, gas mask uh, Nazi looking characters, right? And then when you look up about 200 feet in the air, you have these giant, what do they call them in Star Wars? Those are uh, the things that were walking uh, on four legs. They're called the, walkers. I they're think. just called walkers. I think. Something similar to that above. Mm-hmm. And it made you nervous. Like you mm-hmm. truly, like it was so submersive enough for you to like look up and be like, I like your heart kind of like starts raising a beat. And this is somebody who consumes, it's like my parents, right? You put yeah, that on my yeah, parents, yeah. I'll have a heart attack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like you're desensitized was, to a lot of the stimulus yeah. and it's, and it's getting you. It was wild. It was absolutely wild. And that's something that's, I mean, you, you multiply that by 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're there. Yeah, and I, I think you already do live in the metaverse. You just live in a two-dimensional version of it, and it's slower. Mm. So you get your phone out, and you scroll through Instagram, and you look yes, at yeah. stories, and you go through Amazon, and you buy stuff, and you, you know, you check in on your friends on Facebook and stuff. Like that's all the same. It's all the same thing. You're just you're just looking at it in your hand versus putting on goggles and looking at it around you. That's a great way to look at it. You're, you got a two-dimensional metaverse that you're living in. You're already in it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I do think it's like the way that the phone and the traditional mail was. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need that now. You have the Internet. You have text. You have a messaging component to every single app that you ever download. And you can get a hold of people in a whole new way. I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with the metaverse. You can pop in on people and see their avatar and talk to them and play ping pong or something in a lounge and, and that's another thing. chat with them that way. So instead of us doing this... We'd be sitting here playing pool, pool right. in some cool metaverse pool hall. Yeah, it's a, for some weird reason. I don't know if it's because of the generation we grew up in, but sometimes it becomes scary. And the scary part is maybe the, the unknown, but a little sad, right? Because you're like, do we mm-hmm. do we really want to be submerged into that kind of culture? But the the reality is, is like it's only going to be a, a, an enjoyable thing. That's the way of the world. When when you said that, I just think of all the construction that's going on around here. And you look at all the apartments that are going up and, and most of the buildings that are going up are just kind of big gray soulless boxes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened to Salt Lake and stuff all over the highway. It's just, you know, people move in and they 
they need places to live and so you build the cheapest apartment you can and you just sort of take over what used to be you know so-and-so's farm and what people used to love about certain areas is gone and and then downtown you you lose some of the the mom and pop places that had the heart and and so it's like the same exact feeling of like okay i'm glad that it's growing i'm glad that something's happening and there's opportunities being provided here but i miss the old thing too mm-hmm. and there needs to be a word in english for like the the feeling where you um you have a puppy you, you, and you're like i love this thing so much but i also know it's going to die and it's going to break my heart that day and i like have this mm. sorrow and this love and appreciation for it all at once yeah and and that's how i feel about the seeing things like construction and growth and development in your town it's like okay i'm looking forward to shields on 10 mile but um or whatever i think it's i think it's shields and it's like, well, that's going to make traffic harder and, and it takes away from the what I love about the town at the same time. I'm trying to remember which culture it was, but they their whole life was is like in, aimed towards preparation of death one day. Like there, you mm-hmm. live your life so that one day you die and that's the part that should be celebrated, that you do die one day. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, it's like a Mayan culture or something like that. It was wild. It was a wild perspective where right now when somebody dies, it's a mourning because people are going to miss them. And then we try to camouflage it with, come to this service. It's going to be the celebration of life of this person. Mm-hmm. But there's cultures out there where the death is the winning part, and you, you know, that's the the win, the you, you won essentially. And I'm sure that's some you know evangelical. And well, and so when the well. yeah when the metaverse is here and <coughs> the way of your cell phone is dead, yeah, then you'll say we celebrate you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Z money. Well, this has been nice, man. Yeah. We got to finish this on a brighter note. Um, I feel like that—that that, that's well. That's the whole point. This is a bright note. It's, yeah. It's positive. It's positive and negative. Death is inevitable. The, we will all die one day. It's the yin and yang, man. You can't just separate. You can't have mountain peaks without valleys, and you can't separate the yin and the yang. So you can't have growth without pain. And you, are you are you holding back laughter? Yeah, I was convincing you. <laughs> ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't the, no road. If the mountain was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't climb it. Is that what Steve Carvey Steve Harvey said? No, that, that that comes from Spice Adams. Actually, oh. <laughs> I don't know if you ever listened to him. Uh uh-uh. uh Followed uh-uh. him on. He was he does little comedy shorts and stuff. Oh okay. And he does uh, like old heads. Yeah. And he did this one where it was like old heads making a making an Instagram video. They always use the full minute, and so he just said like, "If the mountain was smooth, young bloods, you couldn't climb it." <laughs> Followed by the licking of the lip. <laughs> and then just kept looking at the camera, kind of like, yeah. And then this is a minute of that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I don't know why I keep calling you Chris. Uh, Rich, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, we now, because this is your second time on, there's only a select group of people who's been on twice. And Good. The the people are demanding them. People, are, the people are demanding them. So we'll have to have a trilogy. Well, yeah, after this. I hope that. Yeah, I hope that your viewers enjoy listening to my unstructured hour and a half of rambling. Hey, well, <laughs> that's what we're doing. I, I love it. May I, it be a blessing unto your car ride and your your work. Or I love, we've we've your prison we've, sentence. Whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening <laughs> to this, or not doing. You know, it's whatever. Like unemployment's fine as well. But. Hey, <laughs> We appreciate you guys don't, listening. Don't let someone tell you you should have a job. Yeah, that is um. Yeah, don't listen to the must. Okay. All right, folks. Thanks for. Hey, don't do the sign up. I'm doing the sign up. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Rate, review the podcast on your platforms if you can. Helps with the algorithm. And check us out on YouTube. Thanks. Bye. You can say bye too. Nice feeling. Okay. Bye, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>